This morning we are going to begin a new series in the morning service. We are going to work our way to the New Testament. Uh, we finished up a series in the month of August on the family. And we were dealing with a number of C's, words that started with C, that affected our family life. And of course, all of life, whatever aspect that is. Before that, we finished up a book in the Old Testament. Anybody remember that book? Ezra. Whew, I'm glad at least three of you did. Okay. Uh, we went through Ezra. It took a lot of months to get through Ezra, didn't it? We are going to head to James. I hate to put a timeline on it, but my goal, <clears throat> we'll see. It may not happen. My goal is that we finish the book of James before the end of the year. On Sunday mornings, we'll be looking at the book of James. The overarching principle that we will see in the book of James is wisdom. You and I need wisdom to go through life. There are a number of verses that we'll be looking at in James that even use the word wisdom. But James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, kind of the pinnacle, if you will, the middle of the book, the pinnacle of this and where it wraps down to. Verse 13 of chapter 3 says, who is, wise, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Now, this is the way he lives, not just the way he speaks. Verse 14, but if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and ever evil work. By the way, we don't want that to describe the Lord's church family right here in Munich, do we? Verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. As we study the book of James here as a church family, I want to encourage you to evaluate your own heart. This isn't necessarily a time for us to evaluate everybody else. Oh, man, that person's not living wise. But I want to encourage you to take some time to look into your own heart. If we each evaluate our hearts according to the mirror of God's word here in James, we will be changed. And as a church family, we can honor and glorify God. We won't be described as verse 16 for where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But really, verse 17 will define who we are as individuals, and thus as a church family. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Would you join me asking God to do a work in our hearts individually and thus in his church right here at Munith? Father, we are so thankful for your love. We are thankful for the opportunity that we have to study your word. God, as we begin this new series in the book of James, I pray that you will do something that only you can do. God, we are asking you to illuminate our hearts and our minds. God, we are asking you to give us understanding. God, not of just everybody else's problems, but really of the own issues in our own lives that we need to deal with before you. God, we thank you for this church here. But God, I pray that you would do a work, not just that only you can do, but that glorifies you too, God. That the world around would look and say, praise be to God, who is the great I am. 
And so, God, I ask that you would help us today to evaluate our own hearts. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. James chapter 1, verse 1 begins, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greeting. It's a pretty short introduction. In fact, we know the Apostle Paul, when he writes letters in the New Testament, they often have two or three, maybe even four verses of an introduction to the letter. Here James starts out just with one brief verse. He's writing to those who were scattered. When the early church was persecuted, it didn't die. It actually grew, but part of that was because it was scattered and they were faithful. They lived wisely where they were. Not all of us are always from the Munich area. How many of you moved to this area at some point in your life? Okay, there's a number of us in here that at some point moved to this area. It's not by mistake that we are here, though, this morning. It is not by mistake that we live in the houses and the locations on the roads that we live. God has placed us here. And yet, as we're in these places, that we live wisely before him and really wisely in his local church, the body right here. Now, in the first section that we're getting into in chapter 1, we'll look at verses 1 through 11 this morning. We're reminded that we can live wisely in every situation. There are trials that come and difficulties that come, and yet you and I can choose to live wisely. That doesn't mean it's easy. In fact, James is saying that here. But it is possible because it's not in our own strength. It's not just the old philosophy, I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and get going. Now I have responsibilities. But ultimately, I can only live this life in the strength of the Lord. He is the one who gives me that strength to live wisely before him. Verse number two. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Perhaps you have heard a message on just these verses right here, and we could devote the whole service there. But number one this morning, I want us to remember that if we're going to live wisely in every situation, we must experience change. We must experience change. Change isn't always easy. In fact, how many of you uh, would agree that change is often difficult? I was listening to a podcast just this morning, and the, the husband and wife team were talking through some difficult situations in their own lives. And yet, how sometimes God uses those to open up doors we never knew existed, never thought possible. Kind of like the man who spent years living in this tiny little house, and they had three doors. You know, we walked in and then there was a door for the bathroom and there was his, a door for his bedroom and there was another door. But he never went beyond that. And so one day after he lived there for years, he had a visitor come and he said, what's behind this other door? And he's like, I don't know, I've never opened it. He opened the door and he walks through and there's 3,000 square feet. (laughs) Sometimes that's how life is. We go through trials of life, not that we want to, not that are easy, But that when we get to the other side, there are blessings that God has given us, not necessarily just the financial blessings. These believers were going through a lot of hard time, even financially and physically. But God brings us through those times and brings blessings to our lives that we may not have ever known existed had we not been faithful to trust God through those. One of those things I see in our church family is COVID. Now, I praise the Lord. Some of 
Some of you have had COVID, but that it hasn't run through our church family. It could. It still could. We know that that's still a real possibility, so we're cautious and careful as a church family. But one of the things I believe that God wants to do is He wants to use COVID for His glory. And He wants to use it even in our own church. How is that going to make a difference? Well, we've got to let Him change us as individuals and thus as a church family. Count it all joy. We've got to be joyful then. If I'm going to experience change and live wisely, I need to be joyful. Be joyful. That's not always easy. Now, some of us, some of you, maybe you're feeling, man, I'm just getting so burned out because who else is going to serve in this area? Or what's going to happen in this situation? Or I just don't feel like doing this. And yet God wants us to be joyful. It may be in other situations in your life. Maybe it's loved ones and difficult situations going on with them. How can you be joyful? Really, it comes from keeping a proper perspective. But he says, be joyful. Count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. All sorts of kinds of difficulties. Unnamed difficulties. Your difficult situations are going to look different than mine. In fact, your difficulties because of COVID look different than my difficulties because of COVID. Even husband and wife, our difficulties, though it may be similar, they do look different. We can't completely understand what someone else is going through. But God can. He is our great high priest who understands all things that we go through. Hebrews reminds us. As we see this, we're joyful because we see God working. Count it all joy. Why? Because verse 3 says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Mature. God wants to mature us. We should experience that maturing change. The Apostle Paul, I believe it was in 1 Corinthians 13, the end of chapter 13, I think it is, where he talks about how when he was a child, he spake as a child, he thought as a child, but now he became a man and he put away those childish things. God wants to continue to mature us, not just in those teenage and young adult years, but all of us as believers, to mature and to change us. Count it all joy because God wants to use this trial in your life to change you to be more like him. That doesn't mean it's easy. But it means God will be glorified if you glorify him through your body. Of course, God does all things for his glory. And God wants to use all things for his glory because he is the great I am. But in your life, as you go through the trials, are you glorifying God or are you struggling and just saying, I'm not going to do this? Count it all joy because God wants to mature and change you. And then you just have to be changed. Verses 3 and 4, that's what it deals with. I'm going to be changed. If I'm going to experience that change, God wants to give me joy, but he wants to then just completely change me, mature me, that I should be different. We're coming to the end of this year. Now we say, well, it's only September. Yeah, but it's almost October. And, uh, you know, we're coming to the end of the year. When you look back at the end of this year, are you going to see that you were changed this year or that you ended up the same at the end of 2020? 21 as you did as 2020 or are you different god's changing you and maturing you there are trials in our individual lives there are trials in our church family that god wants to use to mature and change us in fact not just as individuals but as a church family we should be different when it comes to december of this year than we were in december of last year by the way we should be different than in december than we are today 
when it comes to our maturity spiritually and our areas and our acts of service. Again, that's going to look different for every person. But are we going to be faithful to allow God to change us? Experience that change internally. That's where this change is going on. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. It's an internal change that God wants to bring and work into our lives. So if you're going to live wisely in every situation, you must experience change. But then, of course, you must experience wisdom, what true wisdom is. We're not just talking any old change, any kind of change that you want. The world goes through all sorts of change. They're often blown about with all sorts of winds of doctrine, all sorts of decisions that are made because we think this is right. Oh, no, this isn't right, so we're going to do this now, or now we have to change and do this because this really wasn't enough, or whatever it may be. That shouldn't characterize our lives. We should be changed by God's wisdom. And that's where we get into these next few verses. Verses 5 through 8, experience God's wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Maybe you're struggling, God, I don't know what you want to teach me in this trial. I don't know what you want to teach me through this time. So ask God for wisdom. God, how do you want me to live? How do you want me to be changed in this time? Because, God, I know you want to work in and through me. Wisdom. The right use or exercise of knowledge. In fact, uh, wisdom has been defined as the exercise of sound judgment, either in avoiding evils or attempting good. The wisdom that God wants us to live, as we looked at it in James chapter 3, isn't just avoiding the evil, but is doing that which is good and pleasing to God. So experience God's wisdom. And if you're going to do that, you have to acknowledge that you don't have it. Now, you may have experienced God's wisdom in the past, and you praise God for that. But how about right now in your life? Are there areas where you're lacking wisdom from God? God, I don't know how to apply this knowledge in this situation. Or how this is going to make a difference in my life tomorrow because of this. How do I live for you? How do I apply this? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. If I'm going to live wisely in every situation, it really, it's, it's because I walk with God. I, I have a relationship where I talk with the Lord. Not just reading his word, but talking with God. Now, that's a different... It's hard enough to read your Bible, right? Or meditate on the word of God every day. Isn't it even harder to talk to God in prayer? I mean, we can talk kind of short words here and there and maybe a short prayer, but it's it's... Sometimes a lot of hard, difficult discipline to devote time to talking with God. We know that we're not close with people here on earth if we don't spend time talking. And yet we expect that with God and we say, okay, God's going to give me wisdom, but we never talk with him. If any of you lack wisdom, don't just listen to God, but let him what? Ask of God. Have that time where you're relating with God. Again, it's fellowship with God, devotions. Whether it's your teen devotional, uh, glow in the dark that we encourage you to do, or maybe you as adults, it's the daily bread, or you've got something that comes to your email, or you're just studying out through some book of the Bible. It's not just reading. It's a relationship with God. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men how? liberally. Now often we hear the word liberal 
And that means something to our brains politically. What we're talking about here is that God gives abundantly. God wants to give you his wisdom. You may be struggling with what is the wise choice? How do I live out in this situation wisely? God wants to help you. He wants to illuminate your heart and mind. He wants to give you understanding through his word. And he wants you to experience his wisdom. Acknowledge that you don't have it all and ask him to give you that wisdom. Believing that he can. Ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and it braideth not and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Are you experiencing God's wisdom in life as a teenager? Life is going to be different. You have different decisions. In fact, some of your decisions are limited because you still have your parents. But are you making wise choices now at home as you honor and obey God through honoring and obeying your parents and the other aspects of life God's given you to live? Maybe it's at school. Maybe it's at your job or in your sport. Making those wise choices to live for God. Again, as a church family, are we experiencing God's wisdom? Believe that God will give wisdom. It says, let him ask in faith. The word faith means a firm trust and confidence. A firm trust and confidence. Not just, I kind of hope this is going to happen. But God says he'll give you his wisdom. Are you believing that he will give it to you then? Are you spending time with him? Not just at the end of the message in the morning service, and we've got a, a, an invitation time, and I encourage you to pray and deal with your own heart before God. That's good. But how about at home? Are you asking God for wisdom when you're alone? Maybe it's in the car. <laughs> Maybe it's for a walk, wherever it may be. Asking God for wisdom. Think back to Elijah and the difficulties after the great victory on Mount Carmel. And yet then the queen threatened his life, and he got discouraged, depressed, and he wanted to die. And yet, where did his strength come from? It came from the Lord. There were some practical things. There was sleep and food and some other things. But God gave him the strength that he needed. And when we go through life and we're looking for God's wisdom in the different trials, count it all joy when you go through these trials, we experience his wisdom by spending time with him, asking him, believing that he will give us his wisdom, which, by the way, affects us as a church family. We are asking for God's wisdom. How do we grow? Not just numerically. We praise the Lord for the opportunities that God's given us. I praise the Lord for each of you. Some of you are here new this year or within the last couple of years. Praise God for that. But this is also other opportunities for us to grow, not just numerically, but spiritually as a church family. We've started out some new opportunities. We've got the BLC that has started back up again, which has been, what, a year and a half in coming, something like that with COVID and all that. And we praise the Lord for this time that we've had and uh, just as they're going through some new materials, learning the Word of God. We praise the Lord for the opportunities with the teens and the ladies' Sunday school class. And we're praying for some other Sunday school classes. But again, how are we going to live wisely? We're asking God to make, help us make wise choices. But that affects each of us. How are you going to be part of that wise decision-making process? Asking God 
to give wisdom, even in the difficult situations of life. It's easy when we face difficulties to try to bury our head in the sand. You know what I mean? Not that we quite literally go out and bury our head, but we try to cover that fear up with something else. Maybe it's the refrigerator. Maybe it's something else. TV, entertainment, a book, whatever. We can try to cover those fears up, or we can look at our emotions and deal with them running to Christ. And I think, Joanne, you were playing that as an opener this morning before church. I run to Christ when plagued by fear and sin and all these things that come my way. Are we running to Christ, asking for his wisdom? Okay, God, I, I don't know what to do here. Maybe, maybe you feel sometimes how I feel. You freeze in your thought and you just can't think. Where, what do I do? What choice do I make? And yet we then face ourselves and our fears, asking God to give us wisdom. Not just trying to, okay, I'm going to make some decision and jump in faith. <gasps> but trusting God, spending time in his word. That's what this is about. How, how do I count it all joy in these trials and difficulties? Because I'm experiencing God's wisdom. So I experience his change. I experience his wisdom. And I experience a right perspective. Again, that's not easy to keep in ourselves. Now, some of you, you, you have a really easy time of keeping a positive perspective on life. Some people are born optimists. Some are born pessimists. <laughs> And yet God wants us, as we go through these different trials of life, to keep a right perspective. Not just that, oh, life is good. Sometimes life is tough, isn't it? That's what James is writing to believers. Remember back in verse 1, who did James address this letter to? The 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Like, they loved each other, they had fellowship, and then they were... And they didn't have texting that they could text back and forth the next day. Hey, I finally made it here. Or email. I remember when IM was a big thing, right? Instant messaging. Uh, they didn't have any of this stuff. They didn't have the Pony Express to carry a letter. There were some ways they could communicate and carry letters, and there were messengers who would do it. But they didn't have it all that easy. They were separated and scattered because of persecution. And yet, they could experience God's change, experience God's wisdom, and experience the right perspective on life. Look at verse 9. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways." What is the right perspective? It's got to be God. Now remember, the, the climax, what we said, kind of the pinnacle of this book of James, was that it was dealing with wisdom that is from above, James 3, verse 17. So whatever stage you find yourself in, whether it's that man of low degree, someone who doesn't have a whole lot of money or worldly goods, or that person who is wealthy, as he then talks about, your financial status doesn't, Make who you are in Christ. Those who don't have much financially can trust Christ and his wisdom and live for God. Those who have lots of money and financial goods can trust God and live for God. But there's temptations on both ends. 
But in the midst of it, we've got to keep that right perspective. Some of these believers who were scattered, they didn't have anything anymore. They left everything behind. And they walked away with their life. And yet they could keep a good perspective. Not because of everything good going on in their life, but because of the God who is faithful. So he reminds them, why can the brother of low degree rejoice in that he's exalted? What's going on? Remember from verses 3 and 4, there's that spiritual change going on in his life. God was using the trials of his life to change him spiritually and to mature him. Count it all joy so that you, when you experience these problems, because you're being changed spiritually. You're maturing. And really, as long as we live on this earth, we have to keep maturing spiritually. We can look at our lives and say, wow, man, I'm thankful for how I've matured. And we can compare ourselves even with others and say, whoa, I'm way more spiritually mature than that person. That's not what's going on. In fact, actually, James is going to address some of that, too, in this book. In the local church setting, some who are rich and some who are poor, and some say, well, let's just let that rich person have this high place of honor because he's got it together. But here, James says, let the brother of low degree rejoice. Why? He's exalted. He's growing spiritually. And then be warned because... Having everything together, having life easy, doesn't solve all of the problems. Our life is not simply about what we see here on this earth, but it's God. We've got to remember that as individuals. We've got to remember that as a church family. We experience a right perspective not focusing on our financial situations and the trials of life, but rather focusing on our spiritual growth. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. And then verse 12, and, and really we're going to pick this up next week in verse 12, but it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. When we look at the word of God, God wants to change us, mature us. How about looking at Job? He said, when I am tried, I shall come forth as gold. Trials are tough. How many of you would agree with me? You don't like going through trials. That's only five of us. The rest of you talk to me after church because I want your secret. Right? We struggle with that. Maybe you're in the middle of one right now and you can't see your way out. You can still have God's joy, not because life is easy, but because God is growing you, and God is faithful. And if you know Jesus Christ as Savior, he has promised, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. In fact, in the very next verse, Hebrews, uh, I believe it's chapter 13, verse 6, he says, the Lord is my helper. Not just that God won't leave or forsake you. He's there to help you. In fact, we're reminded throughout the Psalms and uphold us with his right hand of righteousness. Wow. So will you live wisely this week? Will you live with wisdom in every decision you make? You might be in the midst of a trial right now you wish you didn't have. In fact, if you're in the midst of a trial, you probably already wish you didn't have it. <laughs> you might be going through the easiness of life. Everything seems fine. We don't know what's around the corner, but we know that God is faithful. 
There's a song that says he's already in your tomorrow. He's walking one step ahead. Of course, it's not just one step ahead, is it? I mean, God knows everything, the beginning from the end. He knows everything about your trial, and he wants to strengthen you to live wisely in your life. And thus as a church family. He, he wants to help us as we go through the bumps of growing numerically. We praise the Lord for that. Some aren't here that should be here, right? And, and if you're watching and that's one of you, I would just want to encourage you, you be here. And maybe there's different areas of service that God has challenged your heart to work in. Again, that's going to look different for every person. But are you faithful? Trusting God in the trials of life, the difficulties of a growing church. Not everybody's perfect like you. Not everybody's perfect because we're people. But we can grow and be maturing in life. Whether you're a teenager, young adult, middle-aged adult, or an older adult, God wants to continue to mature us through the trials of life. And I want to encourage you, if there's anything I can do to help with that, I know there are bumps of, and growing pains is there, that our church is experiencing right now. I praise the Lord for some of you that have, have opened up and said, hey, Pastor, what about this? Or let's pray about this. Or I just want to encourage you, talk with me. But it's so easy for us to get bitter in our difficult situations because this isn't happening anymore or this is different or whatever it may be. Yet God wants to grow us and change us as a church family and mature us to be like him. Not just for our time together. There's a lost and dying area out here. And if you and I don't live wisely, we aren't going to be pointing them to the Savior who they need. So will you live wisely? I don't know what area God has challenged your heart with this morning. Only you do. Will you do business with God? If there's something, though, that I can do to help you or encourage you or challenge you, maybe it's through a trial of life. Friend, I'm here. Not with my own wisdom, but to share the truth of God's word and some practical tools to help us as we walk through life. So if there's anything that we can do, oh, I want to help you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and do business with God? Now, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, you can't live wisely. You can have some earthly wisdom. But Jesus died for your sins. You need a Savior. And if you've got questions about that, I want to encourage you, see me or talk with someone else here that we can share with you from God's Word how you can know Jesus as your Savior. But the majority of you here know Jesus Christ as Savior. How does he want you to live wisely this week? Will you commit to do that right now?